So the last couple of times we've been talking about understanding the times. One of the themes of the Bible is time. You know, the Bible begins in the beginning. In the beginning of what? In the beginning of time. God created time. The book of the Bible ends with the end of time when God returns and we are in eternity at, uh, in, in heaven with, with the Lord and time will be no more. In the midst, we are expected to understand our times. Jesus came and he challenged people. He actually chastised people for their inability to recognize the times. He said, y'all can recognize the, 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 the weather patterns. You know, you can see if it's going to rain in the morning. You can look at the sky and say, I think it's going to rain in the morning. You can look at the sky and say, it's a beautiful sunny day. Um, you can look at, my dad could look at trees and say, oh, if the if the leaves are blowing up, you see the underside of the leaves, it's a low pressure system, it's probably going to rain within 24 hours. You can read, if you have experience at all, and any kind of wisdom, you've observed the weather, you, you can see the signs and say, hey, there's a pretty good chance this is going to happen. And Jesus says, if you can do that with the weather, which is just about trivial stuff, essentially, how much more important is it for you to recognize the sign, signs of the times that you live in? And so the challenge has been in this, I have been challenged recently to say, are we just kind of living blissfully unaware of the season that we're in and what the implications for that of that for us? Or are we accepting the challenge of Jesus to understand the times so that we can respond to it? In a sense, that's why we like to talk about upper story and lower story. It's easy to get caught up in the lower story, time as it is unfolding, and just think that this is the total reality and forget, no, no, there's an upper story. God is always at work. God has an upper story perspective that's beyond time that needs to be our perspective so we can be wise in this generation. Um, now, what are we to do? So uh, it talks about how the men of Iskar in the Old Testament were praised for knowing the times and how what they should do as a result. Last time we talked about some of the signs of the times and how our, our the Western civilization has so shifted in the last 250 years and how sometimes even Christians get bamboozled by people who are in denial of the signs of the time. And they'll say, oh, things are always, have always been like this. It's okay. Or it's better for us to be uh, a nation that is secular and not, not, not established or believe, believing in the Bible or, or paying attention to biblical principles. And people can be intimidated by those who say, oh, the, the Bible has no uh, influence, should have no influence in the, in the public square. It kind of get wrapped up in that. Recognizing the signs of the time. What's it mean to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, to be light and salt in this generation? Romans chapter 1 gives us another picture of the signs of the times. Even though they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they, they became futile in their speculations and their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Um, educated idiots. Malcolm Muggeridge calls them, um, says we've become um, uh, educated uh, imbeciles. Educated into imbecility. Um, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. 
Therefore, God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts, the impurity, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshiped and served created the, the creature rather than the creator who is forever to be praised. One of the signs of the decline of a nation and a culture is when we start to worship the creature over the creator, the created over the creator. We reject the truth of Scripture and say, no, we, we are better to do it. We can figure this out on our own. The Bible's the problem. They think that it's wise to live as though God is not there, as though God is not in control, as though God is not wise. So they teach as though education is secular. There is no God. Education is not about knowing God and being good stewards of the life that he's given us. Education is just about making us better. They teach that science, uh, science is though there is no God. There's no creator. There's no, the creation doesn't point us to the character of God. Creation's not a, a revelation of who God is for us. We study these things because we are in control, because they help us become gods in this world, essentially. Help, help us to advance, help us to be able to control our to control our environment. We hear this in this culture. You hear one of the places that you hear it is in this climate change conversation. Yeah, we're to be good stewards of the world that God's given us. But the idea that we can control the climate, that we that we are in control and God is not, it's idolatry. They define morality as though God is not there. They define entertainment as though God's morality doesn't matter. They work and eat and raise children as though there is no God. What is the result? Verse 26. It, again, the decline doesn't happen immediately, but over time, what happens? For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for which is unnatural. In the same way, also men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own person the due penalty of their error. The Bible could not be more clear. Homosexuality is not just sin. Homosexuality, the acceptance of homosexuality is the sign of the times that you are living in end stages of a decaying culture. Ironic, isn't it? While God says homosexuality is the fruit of a world in decay, many people pride themselves for their tolerance of homosexuality as a sign of progress, as a sign of the maturity of civilization. They look back on other generations for saying, using words that they find offensive, but they pride themselves in having a month that is committed to exalting homosexuality. We are see ourselves as morally superior because we've normalized uh, homosexuality because we have gay weddings and homosexual heroes in the arts. Again, 2 Timothy 4, 3 tells us the time will come when people will not endorse sound teaching, morality, doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, wanting to follow their own desires, wanting to 
call morality what they want to be, wanting to not offend anybody, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth because the truth is hard and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That leads to another response to our cultural moment. Be sober-minded. Think biblically. Know the Bible, think biblically. Endure the difficulties of living in a season of decay. Don't compromise, but do the work of an evangelist. I love that language. Do the work of an evangelist. Certainly that means you need to be a disciple who makes disciples. You need to be the light of the world that is not conforming to the world, but shining the light of Christ in a dark world, even though it may have hurt some people's eyes whose eyes have, have uh, acclimated to the darkness. But do the work of an evangelist means the work that we do is positive work. It's light, the, the work of the light. The work of evangelist, evangelism means do the work of good news people. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sex, sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they'll observe your good works and glorify God on the day that he visits. May people see our good works, our good lives, that we are living out the good news, and they just can't help but say, you know, those people are doing it the right way. They have a joy I don't have. They have a peace that I don't have. When things are difficult, they have a perspective that I don't have. Their, their kids are respectful. When other kids are out of control, they don't have the hangups that other people have. They seem to be able to deal with their anxieties in a way that others don't. So be joyful in a depressed world. Be hopeful when others are living in despair. Be purposeful when people are living like Life doesn't matter, you know, nihilistic. Be peaceful. I remember, um, I've never seen uh, this movie. There's there an old, I saw, I saw a clip of a movie that um, uh, Bill Murray was in back in the, I think the 70s or 80s. And it was like at this camp thing. And this one clip that I saw, the campers, he, Bill Murray led the campers in a chant. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just does. And they were saying it, saying it gleefully, chanting, chanting it with quite with great enthusiasm. And I thought that is the that that is the mantra of a generation. I remember kids saying that when I was in high school. It just doesn't matter. In a world of people, more and more people saying, "Hey, it just doesn't matter. This life doesn't matter." We live as purposeful people. Love your spouse. Love your children. Be committed to the church. Be examples of the good news of the gospel so that people will see your good lives. They'll see your attitude at work. They'll see your productivity. They'll see the quality of your life and your work. And they'll say, there's something different about those people. They'll see the light of Christ in you before they recognize that it's the light of Christ. That's why we have an end zone, for instance. We have an, part of the reason we have an end zone is we're thinking, how do you... 
How do you help people experience the love of Christ before they know it's the love of Christ they're experiencing? How do you help people see the light of Christ before they realize it's the light of Christ they're experiencing? How can they, so they come, come into that place and say, you know what, the people in this place are different. We can't control everything that goes on, but we can't control our the people who are working there. We can't control our leaders there. And And having people have a positive experience and say, hey, these people have something that I need. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. Why? It's the power of God for salvation. The salvation to be made whole, to be made well of everybody who believes. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Be confident in the good news of Christ. In a generation that is trying to build lives on shifting sand, in a generation that is saying the Bible's the problem, Christianity's the problem, in a generation that will take every bad thing that Christians, every misapplication of the Bible that Christians have had in the last 300 years, and, and they'll you know try to tar and feather Christians with it, in that kind of generation, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ because it shows the right path, the right way of God that leads to salvation. Live by faith. John Adams, our second president and um, one of our founders as a nation said, remember democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There was never democracy yet that did not commit suicide because of the freedom that is at, at the core of democracy is also the virus that can kill it. Jesus calls us to re read the signs of our times. We live in a democracy, as um, Os Guinness argues in his book, A Free People's Suicide, that's in the process of committing suicide. How do we know that? We see Christians compromising beliefs. We see a nation championing abortion. Politicians boldly saying that they are pro-abortion. And Christians vote for them. We have people who embrace gender confusion, celebrate sexual immorality, value a big government that serves as our good shepherd and provides for us so we shall not need, even though it costs personal freedom, people would rather be taken care of than have responsibility. Just a few signs of a nation committing suicide, a nation with lack of godly, character, but you are the light of the world. And so we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are confident. It is the power of God that brings salvation. So we know the Bible. We live the good news every day. We do the work, as Paul says, of an evangelist. Do you see why it's so important for you to be praying every day for, Lord, give me an opportunity to share Jesus. Who do you want me to talk to, share the good news of Jesus with? We live in dark times and a culture of dark times. Who knows what could come tomorrow? I was talking to a 
fellow who used to work in the CIA who says the people that he talked to talks to say we there's coming a day who knows how soon it's going to be where terrorists are going to attack the United States and it's going to be worse than 9-11. He says our open borders have just, and this is a guy's not a conservative by any means, but he says our open borders, we, we know the number of terrorists who come in. We don't know how many others that we are not aware of who've come in. There's going to come a day. Here's the question. When that day comes, will you live in such a way? Have you lived in such a way that you will help people be prepared for that day? So that day will not be a day. It will be a day of sadness, but it will not be a day of despair. It will be a day of confidence because our hope is built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And though the earth be shaken, we are not. Are you sharing the good news of Jesus around you, living the good news of Jesus in such a way that God is honored and you're helping other people know him so they can build their lives on the good news of Jesus Christ, the solid rock of Jesus Christ. That's our challenge. Heavenly Father, Help us to be people who are like people of Issachar, recognize the signs of the times. We know our times, and therefore we know the right things to do, and we do them. God, we thank you that you're patient, but we also pray for your power. We pray for your wisdom to know the right thing to do, and your your power to do it. Um, Lord, if there are changes that we need to make, we want to repent and change. But we want to be your church in this generation. I pray that we can, that people will be able to look back in a hundred years from now and be able to say, those Christians stood for Christ. We are so thankful for their examples of faithfulness in difficult times. Lord, may we be a generation that passes on faith in you, doing the work of an evangelist that leads people to Christ in this day and encourages people in future generations. It's through Christ I pray these things. Amen. Uh, thank you for joining us. Next time, it'll be a little bit brighter. I'm, I'm going to talk about um, happiness. I'm going to talk about joy from the Psalms. hope you'll join us then. Until then.